Welcome to Baker and McKenzie's Asia-Pacific Employment Law Podcast Series. In this podcast, we will look at some of the significant amendments to Malaysia's Employment Act that came into effect on the 1st of January 2023. Employment partner Trishilia Sandersam and legal assistant Hanyang Kwek will discuss the key changes to the Act and explain what employers need to be aware of and recommended actions for employers to take. Welcome, Trish and Hanyang. Hi, Emma. It's a pleasure to be here. One of the significant changes introduced by the recent amendments is the overall scope of the Act, namely, which employees are afforded protection under the Act. Hanyang, could you explain what the position was before the 1st of January 2023 in relation to the scope of employees covered by the Act, and explain what the position is now? Of course, Emma. So before 1 January 2023, the Employment Act had only applied to two broad categories of employees in West Malaysia. These are firstly, employees who earned wages of 2,000 ringgit or below monthly, or secondly, those who are engaged in specified categories of blue collar occupations, regardless of their wage amount. So this includes manual laborers, supervisors of manual laborers, as well as operators of commercial vehicles. That was the previous position. Only these categories of employees were entitled to the minimum standards under the Employment Act. So if you were a white collar worker who earned more than 2,000 ringgit monthly, broadly speaking, the Employment Act wouldn't apply to you. This all changed from 1 January 2023. From then, the Employment Act applies to every employee in West Malaysia instead of just the limited categories of employees. So every employee can expect to receive the minimum protections under the Act even if they weren't entitled to those protections before. This is, say, for certain entitlements such as overtime pay and termination benefits, which are reserved only for employees who earn monthly wages of 4,000 ringgit or below, or are in specified categories of blue-collar occupations. But everyone else can expect to receive all other minimum entitlements under the Act, including on leave as well as termination notice. Thanks, Hanyang. So quite significant changes on actually who will now be covered. And so w- drilling down to some of the the other key changes, um, because there have been a variety of changes across a number of, of different areas. So perhaps we can talk about this um, in themes. So first of all, flexible working arrangements. So as a result of COVID, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, we've seen large movements in the area of flexible working for example employers being more open to the idea of hybrid working where you have some employees part office part home working and responding to requests for for flexible working could you briefly describe the new provisions in the employment act uh, regarding the employee's right to apply for flexible work and what the employer's obligations are when they are faced with a flexible work request. Certainly, Emma, as you have pointed out correctly, the flexible working arrangements became a hot topic as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. But actually, even prior to that, there were efforts to create more flexible working environments, particularly in some other countries. So with these amendments, it is encouraging to see that it addresses flexible working arrangements to some degree. And what do these amendments entail? 
So the Employment Act amendments now introduce a new right for employees to apply for flexible work arrangements to vary their hours of work, days of work, or place of work. The applications must be made in writing by employees in a form or manner to be determined by the Director General of Labor. As of yet, is no clear process as to how this is to be done. So this is something to look out for. The obligations of an employer are to essentially approve or refuse the application within 60 days following receipt of the application. The decision must be informed by the employer in writing. And in the case of a refusal, the employer must state the reason for the refusal. There is, however, no provision to challenge the employer's refusal or the grounds on which the decision is made. So some observations from here really are that the employer is not forced to approve an application for flexible working arrangements. And there are also no clear grounds for legally prescribed factors which must be considered for the application. And so what this means is that it allows employers the flexibility to consider their business requirements when making a decision. Um, ultimately, the decision will be a matter of commercial discretion, but it must be exercised in good faith and with sound business reasoning. Thanks, Trish. So, so what would your recommendations be for employers on this issue of flexible working? What should they have in place? Sure, so although it's not mandated under the law currently, it is advisable that employers create clear, flexible working policies, which set out matters such as the eligibility criteria for flexible working and the types of flexible working arrangements that will be recognized by the employer. And also any applications for flexible working can be considered with reference to the policy's requirements. So this will encourage consistent and transparent decision-making and in turn, hopefully reduce the likelihood of dissatisfaction or disputes with employees. So for example, there may be allegations that the employer has been discriminatory when considering flexible working arrangement applications. So with a clear flexible working policy, hopefully this risk will be reduced. Thanks, Trish. So now turning to the topic of discrimination harassment, so across APAC in recent years, we've seen quite significant developments in this space and on in the discrimination legal landscape and changes to legislation. So the revised Employment Act also contains um, some measures to increase protection and awareness um, in this area, um, doesn't it, uh, Hanyang? That's absolutely right. So one of the key changes we've seen in terms of discrimination under the Employment Act is the introduction of new rights for the Director General of Labour to handle discrimination complaints. Specifically, the Director General of Labour will get to inquire into and decide on any dispute between an employer and employee relating to discrimination in employment and, following that decision, make an order. There are a couple of interesting points to raise for this new development. The first is that the Employment Act doesn't specifically define what constitutes discrimination, but it does, however, state that the complaint must relate to a dispute between an employer and an employee in the employment. It therefore implies that complaints on discrimination issues which arise in the pre-employment context may be excluded. And in practice, we typically do see, for example, 
job seekers raising complaints against advertise, job advertising requirements that target specific communities. And it may be based on implicit language sometimes, such as, for example, jobs which state that they require certain, a certain level of proficiency in a specific language. The question is then whether you know this constitutes discrimination in employment. That's something that remains to be seen. The second thing is the Employment Act doesn't also specify the sort of orders that can be made by the Director General, specifically in the context of discrimination. So that's something to keep an eye out for. Are there any other specific developments to look out for in addition to this? Yes, there are. One other thing is that the Employment Act adds on to the sexual harassment provisions of the Act by requiring all employers to exhibit conspicuously at all times at the place of employment a notice to raise awareness on sexual harassment. Naturally, this does bring up some obvious questions for employers. For example, um, what do I need to include in the notice and where do I exhibit it? These are not issues which are clarified under the language of the Employment Act. However, the government has released some guidance on the issue. According to the guidance, the notice should be displayed in a location which can easily be seen by employees and can be as simple as stating something such as um, sexual harassment is a crime. Of course, for these notices to be meaningful and to resonate with the intended impact of the act, we would recommend for companies to provide a little bit more detail to the notice, perhaps by also briefly addressing some of the measures that employees can take if they experience sexual harassment at the workplace or where do I find copies of the company's sexual harassment policy, if any? Thanks, Han Yang. So lots to think about um, in that space. And on the topic of employing foreign employees, what are the changes that have come into effect for employers who want to employ non-local employees? So Emma, prior to the amendments, an employer was just required to furnish information and returns relating to the employment of a foreign employee to the Director General of Labor. However, now with the amendments, the employer will be required to obtain the prior approval of the Director General of Labor before employing a foreign employee. So this is quite a significant amendment. The application must be made in a form and manner as determined by the Director General of Labor. The Labor Department has issued guidance last month on the forms to be used. It has also provided details on the process to be followed to obtain approval from the Director General of Labor and how that fits into the application process with other relevant agencies. Further, the Director General may approve an application if the employer has no outstanding matter relating to any decision, order or directive issued under the Employment Act, or the employer has no outstanding matter or case relating to any conviction for any offense under specific legislation such as the Employment Act and the Employee Social Security Act. But also, the employer must not have been convicted of any offense relating to anti-trafficking in persons and forced labor. And what would be the penalties if for non-compliance? So non-compliance with the approval requirement would attract maximum fine of Ringgit Malaysia 100,000, which is approximately 25,000 USD, and or a maximum imprisonment term of five years. Thanks, Trish. And finally, for the final topic, the Employment Act introduces enhanced uh, family leave and protections. 
can you explain which statutory benefits are enhanced and in what way they're enhanced? Thanks, Emma. So I suppose the clearest kind of family-based protection one can expect is parental leave. So under the Employment Act, all female employees are entitled to minimum maternity leave. Following the amendments, however, the minimum maternity leave period entitlement has been increased from 60 days to 98 days. So that's on maternity leave. On paternity leave, however, there is currently nothing under the Employment Act. Following the amendments, there will be a new entitlement of seven days paid paternity leave entitlement. That being said, whether an employee can claim it as a paid entitlement will depend on whether they have met certain conditions under the Act. Of course, these aren't the only changes that one can expect. There are also new restrictions on terminating pregnant employees, say for certain grounds such as where there is a business closure. And generally, there are also changes in the reduction of the weekly limit on all employees' regular work hours from 48 hours to 45 hours per week. This doesn't mean that you cannot request employees to work overtime. You can, but their regular work hour, hours barring overtime must be capped at 45 hours per week. So these are some of the changes in entitlements that we have seen under the Act, and there are other changes as well. But unfortunately, it won't be possible for us to cover it all now, but that's just an overview of what to expect. Thanks, Thanks Han Yang. So this brings an end to our podcast for today. Thank you, Trish and Han Yang, uh, for running us through these important changes to the Malaysian employment legislation. Thank you, Emma. Thanks, Emma. Thank you.